listening to The Search Bar. My name is Adrian. And I'm Jacob. And today we are talking about artificial intelligence. AI. AI. And how it relates to search in general and your website and your industry. And I'm really pumped because it's like a super fascinating subject. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to change a lot also in the, in the upcoming years. Um, and yeah. we're going we're to talk about how it might change in the upcoming years. Yeah. So for people who have not done much research or are not familiar uh, with AI and art, how artificial intelligence uh, comes into play with SEO, basically we, we know that AI uses known data on a website. And by known data, we're referring to a website's content, a website's links, a website's keywords, etc., to figure out what the user experience of your website is, um, figure out what um, customers are doing, how they're behaving on your website, and then develop more intelligent algorithms as a result. Mm -hmm. Not totally far-fetched from what algorithms are already doing, right? but the idea being that it's going to require less human interaction in order to refine those things. Yeah less coding, less development time to sort of pick and choose our way through this mountain of data. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and Google's already kind of gotten started with yeah. AI. Um, you've probably heard the term rank brain. I'm sure we've actually mentioned it we on did. this podcast. Yeah, we did. Um, so rank brain is already being used, although I, I don't think it is being used to the capabilities that it has. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a minor... They're testing the waters, Mm -hmm. as it were. Um, But, uh, like, how does this relate to search, though, is the big question. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, obviously, we're getting all this this data from Google. And I I do want to mention that we got a lot of these points from Jeremy Nav's post on Search Engine Journal. It's a really great in-depth post, so check it out after you listen to this. But... um, Definitely search intent is a huge part of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it all, all this really boils down to search engines are becoming more sophisticated in terms of the tools that they use to decipher data and everything. But at the end of the day, the aim has always been the same, even from way back when search engines were pretty rudimentary. Provide the most consistent and relevant and useful information to the end user. So right. it, 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 there's no surprise that search intent is is kind of the backbone of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd mentioned his his post on Search Engine Journal, and he talked about looking at the why, the reasons why people would be searching for any particular thing. Mm-hmm. And he highlighted, what, four types. Right, yeah. Um, I, the first being navigational. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find specific content on a specific URL. And sometimes they already know the URL they're looking for, too. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I've done that. I'll go to Google and I type in the URL to Google. I'm like, oh, wait, I can just go directly there. Sure. But that's still an organic search. Yeah. Yeah. For an example, like, if you know you're going to order a new part for your car and you know you're going to get it from AutoZone, uh, that's an example of navigational. You already know you want to do business with them. You're just trying to 
tell Google exactly what it is you're going for. You know what this has actually kind of morphed into? In the past couple years, Google started doing where you can search a site yeah. through Google, right? Yeah, so through like the search results in, themselves, the yeah. rich snippet of it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So that's pretty powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the next one being informational, which is exactly how it sounds. People are looking for information, mm -hmm. and it doesn't need any activity but beyond clicking and reading something. So they're not taking a further action. They're just reading a news article or reading a recipe or something mm -hmm. like that. This is a lot of where we live outside of the e-commerce stuff when we're trying to encourage merchants to develop a wider footprint in search engine optimization where you might sell um, utensils to uh, you know, kitchen utensils, but you can write informational posts on, you know, recipes and yeah. how to clean a cast iron skillet properly so it doesn't rust and all mm -hmm. these sorts of things. Those are informational. Um, they exist just to provide that, that knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the third one, which I think is, you know, where we live most of the time is commercial. Mm -hmm. What I find interesting about this one is it's users who intend to make a purchase but it includes both immediately and at a later time. So it includes people in every single part of the sales funnel, mm -hmm. from browsing to knowing exactly what you want. And I, I, I can see that. I mean, if we're trying to speak broadly about the different types of searches people do, we can break down commercial into subgroups, Absolutely. which we always do when we're trying to figure out what sort of content to use to target people that are doing a little bit more research on particular types of cast iron skillets and then, you know, choosing one in particular and that sort of thing. For sure. But yeah, I, I can understand kind of lumping it all together into one, um, under one umbrella, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is transactional, which you might get confused with commercial, but it's taking, like, searching in order to take an action on something, mm -hmm. like signing up for a newsletter, or paying a bill, or creating an account somewhere, or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's considered transactional. So four very broad types, but intuitively it makes sense. There's completely different intent behind each one. Yeah, and the thing that, that Jeremy pointed out in his article is once, you, once you've defined what sort of search someone is doing, you need to back up everything that appears on your site to reinforce that. And they used an example which talked about internet movie database, imdb.com. Mm -hmm. um, I find myself still trying to prove that I can remember the names of actors <laughs> rather than going to IMDb out of some sort of sense of pride. <laughs> it's stupid. Just go to IMDb. But the, the idea that they talked about here is that maybe you go to find the name of an actor from a particular movie and once you get there, you have a wealth of information, whether it's related movies uh, in the same genre or other movies that actor has acted in, or you can find out who the director was and what other movies that director has maybe written or uh, produced or whatever. And so it's basing all of this around the idea that what else might you need in relation to this topic? Right. So, you know, if you want to go and, and just buy... Um, a kitchen utensil what else could we have that's related to this kitchen utensil maybe yeah. an associated one like you bought a mixing bowl you sure you don't need a spatula too mm -hmm. or um, you sure you don't maybe want to consider some recipes that might be associated with 
whatever it is, you're you're continuing along on this path. Um, it's no longer sufficient to just say, oh, this matches your search. That's it. You're done. Yeah. You only wanted to find out the name of that one movie Kevin Bacon was in. There's no way you're going <laughs> to possibly want to go down an IMDb rabbit hole because mm-hmm. everybody does it. Oh, yeah. Spend and hours on there. Absolutely. So that's the tricky part, I think, with this, that is you have to think four or five steps ahead and figure out what the searcher is going to be doing next. Yeah, you kind of have to take into account like user behavior and or human behavior, sure. I guess. Sure. Um, which is one of the fascinating things I find about AI. It's not just trying to solve our problems. It's trying to solve problems that we don't even know we have. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating stuff. I love it. It's all, <laughs> We're living in a sci-fi world, you guys. But let's talk about where we think this is going in the future. Let's get even more sci-fi in here. Um, One of the things that that I think is really interesting is um, the the AI's ability to create their own algorithms. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if this is happening now. They might be testing it, though. I'm sure they're testing it in small doses and, and... We're going to get into a little bit here in just a second in terms of how they can start doing it and using it more frequently. Mm-hmm. It all it all boils back to what this what the idea about this is is that they can remove the necessary human power needed to evolve these algorithms and leave it to a self educating AI. Right. Um, and that's really the point. We 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 want them to become more intelligent and figure things out. On the flip side, the part that makes marketers nervous is that they will never really have a leg up on what's important. Right. Um, so, for example, you know, there's, like I said, at the, at the end of the day, search engine optimization hasn't changed in, in the sense that it's all about putting relevant content in front of the relevant user. But there's obviously been peaks and valleys along the way. People say it's all about Google authorship or it's all about, you know, the quality of your links or all about the quantity of your links or it's all about your keywords. It's all about this or that or the other. Yeah. But now the argument is that we might not know Mm -hmm. if we would go fully into an AI driven uh, search engine algorithm world. What, how would marketers keep up? How would we have jobs? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I guess, I guess it would kind of morph into, you know, because they're going to keep telling us the same thing. If you are making really relevant, high quality, um, needed content, Mm -hmm. then you're going to be fine. You don't need to worry about all these other factors. Um, so I guess maybe our jobs would morph into some kind of content creation I think this is way down the road. Though. Absolutely. This is not, you know, once we get through Black Friday, which happy Thanksgiving if you're if you're celebrating. Um, it, yeah, this isn't something that's going to be coming down the pipeline anytime soon. The yeah. algorithms themselves, without artificial intelligence even being brought into the picture, are still being continuously refined by engineers. Yeah. And so I guess it, it's going to be a big decision in terms of when do they start handing over the keys, so to speak, to AI. I think it would be a bit foolish for them to do that until they have a really strong understanding of what it could possibly do. But we know that some of it is happening already Mm -hmm. through some of the tools that that we use in our everyday life. My house is full of Google Homes. My wife loves gadgets. 
the Google Homes are actually aren't that expensive. Mm-hmm. She's won a couple for free as like, you know, pr- raffle prizes. So we have Google Homes all over the house mm-hmm. and we use them to ask all ranges of questions. And uh, that has been voice search in general, whether it's a Google Home or your phone as you're, you know, out looking for a restaurant or a dry cleaner or whatever. That's been something that marketers have kind of uh, really, they've kicked around ideas and how do we optimize for voice search? That one is where I think it really comes down to uh, how are you strategically using keywords on your site to make sure that if someone does a voice search for a phrase that's sort of, sort of kind of similar to what you've optimized for on paper, mm-hmm. are you going to be able to translate over to what they've just asked, mm-hmm. right? Um, Maybe we need to practice reading our content out loud now, you know, yeah. like because AIs might be reading it to people through Google Home. Well, one one thing, um, another not the same article that we're referencing here a lot, but a different one. Um, the name of it escapes me, but I, I know that this is kind of an underlying thread in most voice search um, theory. Is that if you use um, a variety of different ways to explain a particular topic via keywords and you find ways to naturally incorporate those all into one particular page, you're, re- you're reinforcing in every way possible to search engines that your page is sufficient for what they're using in voice search. So uh, instead of like if I ran um, uh, like a tailoring shop in Austin, I wouldn't just try and optimize my website or my particular landing page for Austin Taylor. I would do, you know, like uh, maybe uh, uh, maybe I want to do some keywords that focus on like quick tailoring in Austin mm-hmm. or uh, tailoring for men's big and large suits or whatever the whatever those little tiny details are that people might be searching for. It's not sufficient enough to just say, is there a tailor in Austin? Sure there is. But is there a tailor in Austin that can uh, tailor things within a week? Mm. Or uh, is there a tailor that handles um, maybe uh, like heavier fabrics, which are kind of harder to to take in or let out depending? You know, so all of these um, secondary keywords that people might be searching for in relation to your core business. They call these things exemplar keywords, mm-hmm. basically variations on sort of the same general phrase. Right. And if you can do that and target all of this naturally into one page, you're increasing the relevance and, and hopefully showing Google that you kind of you fit into a variety of different puzzle pieces. Sure. Um, I haven't used this in practice though, so I don't know how well it works. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think even though voice search is on the rise, it's still so new. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, Google is certainly not giving us any indications of, hey, this person found you through voice search yeah. quite yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's very interesting though. I think it really would come down to an influx of cars on the road that have uh, you know, displays in the center console that are all voice activated. Mm. Uh, because until then, I mean, it it's not totally clunky, but I am talking into my phone and I don't want to sure. have my phone while I'm driving. You can also run into, you know, police issues with that. Right. So <laughs> don't do it. It would come down to older models of cars being phased out, more newer 
accessible, affordable models of cars with um, onboard computers so that you can start asking some of these questions. As far as what you can do kind of right now, Google has gotten really good at using those suggestions at the bottom of a search results page, which a lot of times we don't really think about because we just trust keyword research tools and our intuition to tell us kind of where we should focus on that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But algorithms are getting intelligent to understand what kind of related phrases you might be looking for. So if, you know, going back to the tailoring example, if I did Austin Taylor's, maybe they could give me that keyword phrase of Austin tailoring in less than a week or same day turnaround, which is crazy. Yeah. Same day turnaround wouldn't be <laughs> really possible. But you get the idea that yeah. it, it's it's answering all of these related, smaller, more specific questions that people are likely to be searching for when they use voice search. That brings us back to our first point of trying to anticipate people's next yeah. needs after yeah. you've answered their question. Yeah. And that's a really good place to find ideas yeah. of, of where they might go next mm -hmm. with that search. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like, you know, if you had a dry cleaning service, okay, it was just a dry cleaner. And then they would have maybe a sub sub keyword phrase. It was like, you know, for, for dry cleaning velvet or right. like something that's delicate. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, where do you go next? Absolutely. And that's kind of how the voice search thing goes. The next one that you've got listed here is really interesting to me, visual search. I was just about to ask, with all your Google Homes... None of them have a screen. Are you going to get the one that has a screen? I mean, I, I don't have, a dis, a, uh, I don't have a, an opinion in this because it, it's all come down, comes down <laughs> to my wife and her love of gadgets. I think it would be kind of cool. Um, I think it really comes down to how practical is it. Mm. Even now, a Google Home or any other, you know, um, Amazon, uh, Echo and that sort of thing, it comes down to the individual person in terms of how often you rely on it. I'll admit I tend to use it for pretty basic stuff like play my Spotify account mm. or tell me about the weather this weekend or what was the name of that movie Kevin Bacon was in, you right. know. I'm not asking it to go too deep, and I kind of wonder what I would do with a visual display. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe I could use it for cooking or for, like, tell me how to, you know, bleed motorcycle uh, flu brake fluid, like something yeah. where I need a DIY yeah, and instructional you video. You can't take your hands away from, sure. from the activity. I mean, that's what the commercial is focusing on because yeah. it's almost Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. but... Um, I mean, there are a lot of possibilities with it, but I think cooking is the first one. Um, and then maybe something for new parents because their hands sure. are going to be occupied. Yeah. So, but, but not only like the Google Home things, but also what some other websites are doing is pretty exciting. Um, for example, Forever 21 is developing this process where you don't have to type keywords into a search bar, you just select icons of things that represent features you want in an outfit. And why I think this is so exciting is because um, it, it's kind of changing the face of search, right? Where you're not having to use words, you're not limited by your vocabulary mm -hmm. to find things anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and it also opens doors for better ability to go international. For sure, yeah. And, you know, it's just a, a or um, accessibility to people who, you know, can't read for whatever reason. Yeah, people who are legally blind 
maybe could still just at least pick out symbols sure. on a screen, icons, like you said. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's opening a lot of really interesting doors to be able to do visual searches like that. Now I wonder how that would apply beyond something like Forever 21. Like they're clearly trying to build an interface where like, okay, I want a button down shirt as opposed to a t-shirt mm -hmm. in my outfit. And I can click on an icon that takes me there. But I wonder like beyond that, how would that apply to something more than just clothing? You know, if we're doing sure. kind of a general search, would I then filter based on, you know, like, are you interested in entertainment or in science or in clothing or in food or whatever? Yeah, mm -hmm. I guess it still remains to be seen how that would be used. Yeah, and we know that the visual aspect is something that search engines have been struggling with uh -huh. because they don't they don't view images the way that we do. Mm -hmm. um, it's getting there, but I mean, I think the next step is the ability, and some places already have this, to take a picture of something and then it the product pops yeah. up yeah. on whatever app you're using. Yeah, um, that's definitely the next step. But beyond that, it might be like. Hey Jacob, we know you're hungry. What kind of mood are you in? Mm -hmm. You know, are you a rain cloud or are you sunshine? Do you and if you're a rain cloud, it shows you comfort food. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you think it would go so far as to start like, I don't know, I guess this would be kind of an invasion of privacy thing if they were able to actually read your face. Yeah. Like I didn't even think marketing that. psychologists who focus on marketing specifically, they read eye patterns, you know, which parts of the screen do you look at the most? Do your pupils dilate when you look at a particular mm. color or something? Right. Um, you know, does the color of someone's hair affect your mood or the colors of the clothing that they're wearing yeah. or whether or not that person on the screen is smiling or not? But I, want, I guess that would get into a, a little bit of a murky area in terms of what is um, ethical when right. it comes to marketing to people. Yeah. I, I suppose you'd have to kind of buy into that. It's like if, if you're willing, not necessarily Google Home, but let's say you have some sort of personal video screen thing. Are you willing to have data taken based on your your face? That could be a whole different podcast. Sure. You know, there's this debate struggle right now going on with how much personal data are we willing to trade for convenience mm -hmm. um it could absolutely go that way but i think it depends on legislation the next mm -hmm. couple of years so, so we'll have to keep an eye on that <laughs> i think that's pretty far off but i'm just thinking i'm just <laughs> thinking out loud so then let's talk a little bit about what we think uh this might artificial intelligence kind of scaling back to just talking about the the ai in general and the larger concept of it how might it impact society right this one's trickier but i think the the biggest thing that i took away from that search engine journal article was the unintended consequence that could come from an ai driven algorithm potentially right. becoming biased to push things off of search results that it deemed inappropriate either politically socially Right, because the rules that we have as a society is what keeps us human. You know, yeah. it's we make mistakes all the time, but we have the ability to change and learn from it. Mm -hmm. And an AI may not have that same, you know, view into humanity, mm -hmm. I guess. They, they might see 
humans taking an action on something and they determine that it's some kind of user behavior that's not appropriate for the site mm-hmm. and make a sweeping decision. I read something in that article. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but there was a mention that say you have a landing page that is designed to be designed to have a very quick action. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, so you're, you're likely to have a much shorter amount of time on site. Something that in general, when we're looking at you know, performance factors for SEO, longer time on site is good. We're keeping people around, they're, they're browsing, they're reading. Would an algorithm, an AI-driven algorithm, be able to decipher that and realize the purpose of the page, the intent of the content behind it, and not perhaps bury that website somewhere in the bottom of the listings because it has such a short amount of time on site? Right. Um, I think there is also the flip side of it, thinking that if you spent too long on one particular page, um, would there be an argument that it was something to do with page speed or like, so like you're saying, there's a human element to everything and, and there is a worry that the algorithm, if driven by AI, would not be able to find those nuances right. and realize the, the, the concept behind all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, the article also talked about unintended consequences that we as marketers would do is if if they tell the AI page time is the most important thing, mm-hmm. then marketers would respond by making you stay on that page as long as possible, okay. making things load really slowly, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. or um, burying what you're actually looking for. Forcing you to click through a bunch of different gateways right. to get what you need, yeah. yeah. Where, you know, user behavior typically does show that more time on site is means you're more valuable. But if that's like the one thing that ARs are looking for mm-hmm. and they decide is important, it could, you know, kind of ruin the algorithm a little bit. Yeah. So. And another thing that was interesting is that Google is building in a, 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 a kill switch. Right. <laughs> Which I know, you know, when you think of artificial intelligence, you naturally go towards movies and media, you know, like uh, uh, you know, robots that are becoming self-aware and starting to develop complex emotions and things. And how do we stop them from taking over? Mm-hmm. That's not what this is getting at. No, no. It's just, do we have a fail-safe in case the algorithm starts to skew the results away from what would be a logical? Uh, answer to a question sure because of too logical right because of something in their algorithm and the way that they're doing it i don't know i i don't know if it's possible that we will ever become fully hands-off with this type of stuff i agree whether it's google or you know some other kind of media platform uh in the way that we Maybe, you know, the way that we watch movies online or the way that we interact on social media websites. I don't think that there will ever, we will ever be completely hands off on it. Yeah. Um, And I think that there will be regulation that prevents companies from being completely hands off on it because of how important it is. I mean, we've seen, you know, in recent elections, how manipulative uh, content and data can be to particular people and how sure. important it is that that does not take hold and if the algorithm just kind of went down a path. But I think 
for now, I mean, this is all hypothetical. We're, we just geek out over <laughs> algorithms and robots and stuff. But I think for like the everyday average site owner, yeah, it's still important to just concentrate on your quality content, making sure your site's easy to navigate, yeah, all that good stuff. But also start thinking about voice search, yeah, um, because that's going to be the next big thing, and then probably visual after that. Yeah. So think about other ways that you can you can dig a little bit deeper beyond the surface of that general commercial phrase that you're trying to target with a, a landing page on your website. If you have that tailoring company, are there are there those secondary questions that you could be answering in terms of, um, you know, it, hey, you know, hey, Google, show me a tailor that's open on the weekends late at night. Like, yeah. are there these little things that you can throw in there that make it more um make your website more responsive to what they need there mm -hmm. and in the same you know it all boils back down to just make good content that answers the questions that people need yep. but now also start considering predicting what they need next yeah. you're you're the imdb website you think you got them there because they want to know about the the movie that the actor's in what else can you tell them that's related to that and then it allows them to spread out in any other any number of directions that they need to go. Absolutely. Um, I know that that's an exhausting concept to think about because that's a lot of content. <laughs> that is a lot. But I think that's what is what this is all getting at is how robust and useful can your website be? Yeah. Especially when it comes to some of these things that are not strictly sitting at a computer and, and performing a search. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of our too long didn't listen at the end. Yeah, I think we summarized that really well. So don't freak out. <laughs> Robots aren't taking over the world. Artificial intelligences are not going to commandeer search engines. But it is interesting to think about how they might view uh, different pages of the internet and, and how useful might they be, might consider them. Where we might be in the next 20 years. I don't think it's going to take that long, to, especially for voice search, to take over. Oh, I Just because of how busy people are with their hands and... and and, and all these things, that will become kind of a backbone mm. of search engines, I think. Yeah. So that's that's artificial intelligence. Yeah. And that's the end of season three. Hooray! It is just a week before Thanksgiving. So again, if you're celebrating, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we will see you guys for season four. I've been Jacob King. I'm still Adrian Bortnobble. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Bye.